I mean, you know, it's uh, it's uh, it's okay. It's okay. I'll give you credit. I can think of a lot of reasons why you would vote if you had chorizo. Yeah, but I mean chorizo, though. Um, I mean, if there was a chorizo tax. What if there was a candidate who's going to, yeah, like put somebody in the FDA who would ban it? What, like, and take away my chorizo? Take like they're taking away my guns? Yeah. Thursday, February 18th, 2016, this is All Downhill. This episode, Gun Control Part 2, Smart Guns. So yeah, Smart Guns, uh, this is one that I brought up, and I thought this was amazingly interesting, because I knew that these things existed in some way or another. See, I, I vaguely knew about it, but I hadn't given very much thought to it until you brought this up. Yeah, and that's the same way. Um, and, you know, we all know, like, smart guns, like, you know, James Bond is the big one that comes to mind, where, you know, For only he people, can yeah. shoot it. Yeah, or, uh, like we were talking about earlier, shoot him up with Paul Giamatti, the gun that has his fingerprints has his finger on it, and only, only he can shoot. Sure. Um, because, and the reason this is all relevant, of course, is that Obama brought up in his speech this, uh, <laughs> or at the very least, he's called for more federal investigation into smart gun technology, and and there's been a lot of discussion of this idea of smarter guns as a measure of gun safety. Yeah, and he's, he's basically saying that, you know, with more technology, we can control, you know, who gets a hold of guns. And if we have more safety technology, you know, kids won't accidentally get into their gun closet, into their parents' gun yeah. closets and yeah. accidentally shoot themselves, stuff like that. Or they can't steal a gun from a parent and, 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 bef- and shoot people And before we get schools. very deeply into it, I do want to, I want to be clear on one thing in case anybody misinterprets anything else I say. Uh, I am all for more safety measures on basically everything assuming the safety measures do not make a thing useless yeah no i i agree like because it's a safety it would be a safety measure to make all cars be forced to drive at no speed greater than 15 miles an hour but it would remove the point of a car yeah basically so I, at that no, point, i'm all for safety measures that do not take the point out of something yeah no i agree um i'm i'm on the same page with you right there but so so basically what this is and i didn't know how contentious this was i just I think had that no this, idea i didn't realize there was this much contention i didn't realize this many gun so, manufacturers and stuff were involved with smart gun technology investigating it at points. Yeah, and we've got uh, an article, a couple articles attached here um, that are going to be sourced, and one of them was it's about how the technology's here, it's safe, it works, and another is about how both sides hate smart guns for one reason or another, and one of the reasons is because it doesn't work, uh, which I find it, yeah, bizarre. It was CBS, I believe, right? CBS. Mentions that a, yeah, lo- mentions a lot of law it. enforcement has not adapted smart gun technology, not because of the expense, so that might be a part of but because of the functionality they're worried about its functionality exactly what you said it it takes away it's a safety regulation that might make it functionally useless at some point or another yeah um so basically for which i mean in all fairness but before we really get into how smart gun technology works and and the rest of this it is something worth considering at all times no matter how interesting anything we're about to talk about or anything you read in the sources sounds always remember adding an additional step to anything is an additional spot that can break that's that's just a fact you yeah. can't avoid that. And the, and the thing is with this, so so basically how this works, and the one that we're sourcing in the article, some work on biometrics, but they're not the ones but, that these like are focusing readers. on, like yeah. thumbprint yeah. readers, which again have their own problems like, you and know. It's mentioned if you're wearing gloves, when you, uh, which, you know, if, if you're a cop out in the cold, you're going to be wearing a glove. The last thing you want is a gun that has a thumbprint reader if you needed to use it. Yeah. Or or mud or dirt, which for soldiers and things could be an issue yeah. on a gun that reads your Because thumb. we all know how well thumbprint readers work on laptops. If you have a laptop with a 
a thumb with a thumbprint reader, yeah, you will probably have noticed it can take a couple of wipes. Actually, if you have a job where you clock in with a thumbprint reader, they can be sometimes finicky. they work perfectly, sometimes they're very finicky or fickle. Yeah, yeah, and 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 again, that can come down to just you know wear and tear normal. But again, on a gun, wear and tear is fixed by I'm going to clean it and oil it and put it back together. Yes, which is another thing that one of these articles brings up is that a lot of the things you would do to clean a gun, such as oil it, are the exact kind of things you want to avoid doing to sensitive any electronics. Kind of electronics yeah. at all times yeah. uh, so basically how this works and the one that, that, that this uh, article is focusing on is a gun that you have a watch and it's linked right. I guess by some sort of Bluetooth signal no it's, a, it's an sort. RFID it's, chip oh RFID it's an RFID, RFID. Yep. That's Ra- right, radio that's frequency right. yeah. yeah yeah it's an RFID so the gun has is powered by two triple a batteries something about that by the way to me is uh, is not a problem but hilarious it's yeah it's hysterical and and then the 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 watch is powered by a regular like watch battery which that part makes sense which that makes sense the funny thing like i and again like you said there's additional parts to this they said that the the triple the triple a batteries they'll last for about you know what was it ten thousand rounds or something like that five thousand shots shots. i've had enough experience with things where i forget that i've left it on because I'm assuming you have to turn this on, right? It's um, just not on it, all the time. It, it wasn't perfectly clear. It's not clear. I assume it, it might be like a remote control. Where I mean, but remember, they can. I think they can die regardless of it being turned on. They're going to be, you know, once they're in the slot, they can still run out. And also, you also just don't want to leave batteries in something too long anyway. Yeah, because of the so because it, they it might corrode. Add, especially, it does it, add a yeah. step to the gun in the sense of yeah, you might actually have to check your gun every once in a while whether or not you're using it to make sure your batteries are okay. Now, on one hand, I get that that's a negative, especially in terms terms of if you forget to check if you bought this gun for home defense that's bad on the other hand as he argues when he argues because i'm sure you'll bring this up the price of the gun is absurd Um, yeah when the guy who's arguing for it and who's making it talks about it he says if you're really very concerned about safety to the degree that you want this in your gun the price and i think with it the need to make sure your batteries are changed and stuff could fall under something that you would consider not a mitigating factor for you it's something you you think is worth it and and that's that's that but it's really interesting to me how people on both sides, people who are generally pro-gun, are coming out against this and saying, no, it's going to lead to more regulation. Because it's funny, like in the state of New Jersey, one of the things they mentioned in the article is that once uh, smart guns are commercially available from a manufacturer, and, and don't quote me on the law, but basically every gun store in New Jersey, uh, based on some factor of you know them being widely available in some fashion or another... Mm-hmm. Um, all gun stores in New Jersey can only carry smart guns. That's sure. already on the, that's already on the books in Jersey. So that's kind of an interesting thing. So they're railing against that saying if you can only buy smart guns uh, here's the thought. I am, if I'm defending my house with a non-smart gun, am I going to get in trouble for that? Because it's not actually regular, you know, it's not really regular. Well, the question anymore. is whether or not it's available from a gun store and whether or not you can have it. Those are, those can be two different questions. Well, those can be two different things. Yeah. But see, that's going to also, it's going to lead down to that argument, I think, because... Well, but it's still, and it is a very... I understand not only that argument, but the argument that these smart guns can be regulated in ways that may make people uncomfortable, especially because of the RFID biometric chip. ones, much less so. But yeah, ones with an RFID chip. We live in a, a world where people are very worried about RFID chips in a lot of ways anyway, and they're showing up in everything. Uh, a good example would be, and I'll see if I can find the source for this and link to it, but uh, for a while, they have those speed passes you can get. I think Exxon makes them. Swipe mm-hmm. it at the gas station. Uh, it'll pay for your gas automatically. You connect your credit card to it. Y- you may have seen them. I'm pretty sure you can still get them from Exxon. And a group of people at, uh, I think MIT, MIT a is what you said, students, yeah. Uh, built a, a system they could keep in a backpack that would let them hack one of those without plugging into it or anything. They just need to be near someone.
someone using one. And they could hack it in basically the time it takes you to use yours to buy your gas. And then they could spoof its signal and buy gas on your car. Now, they did this as part of a research project. But if you can do that with one of those, consider that's a group of MIT students. If you have these attached to guns, you're going to have groups, either government groups or criminal groups, focusing on ways where they can either get these guns to unlock themselves so they could, say, sell stolen guns with this technology in them and still have them work. Or they could get them to lock. Thus, if you're attacked by, you know, a criminal with Obviously, initially, it would probably be unlikely that your average criminal would have this. But as technology becomes more available and things break down... Like an EMP device. You get a criminal that has an EMP device, or even more specifically, one that just targets these RFID chips and guns and shuts your gun off. So when you go to defend yourself, your gun doesn't work. Or again, in terms of this whole defending yourself against the government, hard to believe that the government or police forces would not develop and have the technology to shut off smart guns well, in because their that's area. The thing, if like... all guns were smart guns, if you're a government, all your citizens' guns have a chip that turns them on and off... You're going to want a way to turn those guns off. Yeah, no, because let's say, I mean, like, let's say that local law enforcement, there's, you know, you're conducting a sting operation at at an apartment complex. And let's just say, hypothetically, all guns get replaced with smart guns. You're going to shut down in like that whole block. You're going to, you're going to shut down down all all of the guns. Which the other scary thing about that is, especially for regular law enforcement and sting operations, thus your average criminal will not be using smart guns. They will continue to, you know, market in now Probably a growing illegal trade of non-smart guns. Yeah. Because that's what they're going to want. Yeah, they're going to want guns that can't be turned off. And so, honestly, are a whole lot of citizens. Yeah, no, there's going to be a ton of people who... Yeah, I mean, again, I'm not, again, I'm not arguing against safety technology. I understand the argument against it in terms of people fearing regulation. Regulation is a scary thing and does happen. On the other hand... For some people, I think it's great that they're available because if all you want a gun for is basic home defense and you're not worried about that kind of thing, you know, your average home burglar mm-hmm. turning your chip off, but you don't want your kids to be able to shoot your gun. Yeah, that's then this exactly could be my a thought. Great thing for See, you. See, here's yeah. my thought. Like, like, okay, so you have this gun and, and the, the double A batteries or the triple A batteries are actually what tripped me up on this because I would be, I'd be very into this. Let's say, let's say that I could put this on a, like some sort of stand that where it was charging all the time, right? Sure. And so it was based on on like a battery pack. Which I feel like might be actually, uh, they might just not be at that point with this particular gun yet because there's again not a whole lot of guns of this type Yeah, yeah, I agree, I agree. But so this whole article focuses on one particular gun of this type. So I've got this gun that's right here and I'm always wearing my, my little watch, right? Right. And I don't take it off. I have it and I keep it far enough away from me so that when, uh, you know, I can just keep my gun in the open because it won't fire. Right. Um, obviously I'm not going to have it, you know, with a, with a bullet in the chamber or anything like that, you know, cause that's just dumb, but I can keep it in the open in a high spot that I can reach easily. But at the same time, if my kids get to it, then they're not going to be able to fire it. Because I think it's like what, like a ten, like a, it's ten centimeters is what it is. Ten, I think it's ten inches. Ten is inches it ten inches away from the watch? Mm-hmm. So if you're ten inches away from the watch, you can fire it. But if you're further than that, then you can't fire it. Right. Um, because uh, for those of you who didn't catch this or haven't read the article, it is the watch's proximity to the gun is what activates the gun. Yeah, and so and so I've got it out in the open. If someone breaks in, one, my watch is on, and it's basically on an eight-hour cycle. So if I'm not at home, I don't have it cycled. But I would then, when I go to sleep. 
I turn it on, you know, because that's generally when burglaries are going to happen. Mm-hmm. When I'm home, I turn it on and cycle it, put the pin in. It's all good to go because that's how it works. It works on a pin technology. It's every yeah. eight hours it turns off so that you can't just, you know, have it on all the time. Right. Uh, well, I, and I assume you can probably just switch it off with the watch. I'm sure too, you probably. can. Yeah. I'm sure you can. But that's the thing. And then I would come home and I don't have to worry. My gun can be wherever I want it to be. And I don't have to worry about anybody getting into it and hurting themselves with it. I right. mean, again, somebody can it, it pick it up and cold cock you with positive it. Aspects. But it has very so, positive aspects. I, and I, I really like and it. And again, I get why people are afraid of it on the pro-gun side because of that worry about further regulation. On the other hand, I think, and, and they also mentioned litigation as a possible thing where if one of your guns has smart gun technology and another doesn't, and yeah. someone hurts themselves with one that doesn't have smart gun technology, there's possible litigation. That's talked about a lot here too. But I think there is still a huge argument to be made for fighting this technology as little as possible only because... The more it can come out, the more it can be developed. The more the more it sells, the more they work on it, the more it can be developed. The more fail-safes we can get, the better it can get so it will fail less. And the more we can get to a point where you could have these guns with so-called smart safety features. I, yeah, I would hate to see all guns need to have them. But it would be great for some gun owners. That is something that would yeah. be useful. Exactly. Especially if it can come down in price. Because right now it's about... It's it's cost prohibitive. It, it's about $1,700 a gun. Right. And, and, and that's, and, for, and a and that's caliber, for a twenty-two caliber hand. Handgun. And a regular handgun is about 600 bucks or less. Look, a 22 caliber handgun is about 150 to 200 dollars. Yeah, a 22 depending, depending caliber. Depending where you're getting it, yeah. If, if and, I'm going to the local gun store, it's about 200 dollars. Right, and, and that's that's at the most. And, and for so 22. that's that's an interesting thing to consider. But the only way to do things like get those costs down and stuff is to fight for the technology. And I think that's a, this brings up another scary point that we don't unfortunately have time to get into. Technology itself can often be incredibly useful, but government involvement. And regulation in it can make even technology that would otherwise be genius, possibly life-saving, numerous other things, terrifying. Yeah. And, well, and that's the government's fault. That's not the technology's fault. That's not the gun manufacturer's fault, because numerous gun manufacturers are mentioned in this article as having either looked into or developed this kind of thing, including Mossberg, Smith & Wesson, have all looked into yeah, it. Yeah, which are pretty ubiquitous but, gun makers. But yet it's the government involvement, again, that makes it terrifying, which again, you know, then when the government gets on end, people don't want these smart guns because because they're just gun nuts. No, people don't want these smart guns because they're afraid of the government. It's the same reason that a lot of people want guns in general. A lot, Not all people, not even close to all gun owners. But a lot of them is because they're terrified of the government and government regulation. It comes back to that whole militia thing. Yeah. Again, even if you have the smart guns, the technology leads to a bunch of things that we don't have to worry about right now. Again, like you right. said, there's a whole can of worms that we're going to open going down this technology road. You're still going to have the same four things that guns are for yeah uh sustenance self-defense militia and sport yeah and again and we're talking the four reasonable things Obviously, the four reasonable you could things. say crime is a thing but we're you know that's not we're talking good we're people. talking about yeah just general people <laughs> who have no malicious in, yeah. intent upon their fellow human being but, but that's what makes this really interesting is when you get to that point because a lot of school shooters and such stole their gun either from a parent from a friend and whatever, that's uh stole yeah them. that's uh what uh, john um what's his face did yeah he, he he was gonna well he didn't steal them remember he mentioned he was going to steal them. he never got around to stealing the yeah guns. he was going to i mean that's what yeah. he was going to do and, and but you have that as a thing and unfortunately this whole government regulation issue puts us in a place and i'm not again i'm not saying guns are the problem for school shootings again clearly the whole point of bringing that up earlier is that there's deeper issues but to help us get to these people with deeper issues you have to get to them before they do something crazy one way to get to them before 
before they do something crazy, as is mentioned with things like the smart gun technology. Somebody steals a gun and goes to kill themselves, and they can't use it. If they steal it to kill themselves, which is a thing people do, yeah. unfortunately in high numbers, if someone does that and they can't use the gun because of a biometric reader, that's going to give time where maybe someone will catch them. Maybe they'll get therapy. Maybe things will be okay. If you steal a gun and you can't use it to do the school shooting, if the shooting fails on that point, lives could be saved, including possibly that of not only to the victims, but the shooter. You know, you might be able to start address those things better, but this horrifying fear in government regulation, which is the fault of the government and the people, but especially really the government for giving people reason to feel them, fear them, by giving you this idea that you might take away the guns that are currently, in a very large and very real sense, you know, fantasies of America aside, mm -hmm. the thing you can use to fight the government. If the government didn't create that fear so much for people, then people might not fight that fear so hard. And if that happened, then things like these smart technologies might be able to be developed better and more often, thus preventing the very problem everybody really on both sides doesn't want to happen. And here's the thing too, just to add on to that, I know that's a really good place to end, but <laughs> no, please, John Ledoux, going back to the beginning, yeah, going back to the beginning, the reason why he didn't, there were two reasons why he didn't. One, he couldn't get a gun because he couldn't steal one. Yeah. He couldn't steal one. I mean, obviously, you know, his parents or whatnot may not have had guns for him to easily steal. Sure. But he, but regardless of that fact, he couldn't steal one. That was a limiting factor. Yeah. And two, so that means that guns aren't quite as, you know, you for the average teenager, you may not be able to get to them. But then you also have the fact that, you know, again, going back to Columbine and emulating them, he wanted to take out his plan on the Columbine anniversary, which when he did it actually fell on Easter Sunday. So there's no one at school. Right. So there are limiting factors. So that goes back to, it points to one common denominator in this entire gun issue. The gun is not the problem. It's the people using the gun. It's the person holding the gun. Because there's a lot of argument to be made about keeping the gun out of the wrong hands. And I'm all for keeping the gun out of the wrong hands. Right. But you have to be Keeping the gun out of the wrong hands, you have to be careful with that because if you end up trying to keep things out of the hands of people who have a right to them, it's a difficult, uh, and it's a philosophical discussion, it's an ethical discussion, it's a political discussion, it's on all facets. But the discussion of at what point protecting people becomes a rights-infringing thing, there is always a line somewhere where it's okay, and there's a line where you've stepped too far. D danger exists because of rights. But that doesn't mean you can take rights away. Uh, and I'm not just talking guns, I'm talking anything, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, and so that becomes the sort of, the sort of horrible hot button center of this that I don't think, not only do we not have time to address this episode, I don't even know if we really conceivably could. I don't think there's any way we could. I mean, we could, honestly, we could have another five or six episodes just based on this one discussion. Discussing rights. Discussing but, rights and and just even gun rights, really, for that matter. Yeah, any right, because rights are a complicated thing. But the infringement upon rights is bad. Uh, the abuse of rights, which is really what it is if somebody, you know, kills someone with a gun, you're abusing a right, is bad. But at what point does preventing abuse become infringement or become too much infringement? It would seem teary speeches, media sensationalism of shootings, and over-emotionalism easily make it seem like all infringement is okay because this must be stopped. But if you stop and take the emotionalism out and look at it level-headed, that's not an argument. You're not arguing based on facts or reality. You're arguing based on sentiment, sentiment, sentimentalism. 
It's uh-huh. yeah, no, it's there's the ethos, the pathos, and the logos, yeah. and you're you're using one of those things, yeah. but it but it ain't the logos, which is always a problem. And the horrible thing is, if you're not careful with sentimentalism, it can create more problems because the backlash of people who have been infringed upon can be ugly. In the same sense that it's it's a threshold, it's a it's a different threshold of violence, but it is still a threshold. There's the threshold of what people will do to prevent their rights being taken away, the more rights you take, the more extreme the measures they may go to to keep those rights. Yeah. And that's why you throw boxes of tea in the ocean. Dressed up as an Indian. Dressed up as an Indian. Hey guys, it's Patrick from All Downhill, reminding you to check us out on iTunes and give us a rating if you get the chance, because it really helps us get the word out and it lets us know how we're doing. While you're at it, be sure to hit up our website, alternative-internet.com forward slash alldownhill, to find out how you can get some sick All Downhill stickers for free, gratis, no charge. It's our way of saying thanks for being cool enough to want to slap our logo on something. And now, back to the show. You've got your uh, your malt from UDF, which is admittedly, while it tastes chocolatey, it is not chocolate at all. It's just malty. But if it's a chocolate malt, what's a chocolate malt then? It's it's just it's just malt. No, you can get it's a vanilla different. malt. Yeah, but like if you look at them, if you look at it versus the chocolate ice cream cone, it may taste a little chocolatey, but it looks more like that vanilla cone. Okay, that's and that chocolate cone. If you get like a vanilla malt, you mean? No, 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 a chocolate malt. No, a chocolate malt is chocolate. Or even a, a chocolate frosty. No, have you seen, have you gotten the same, have you gotten them at the same time? No, I, why would I ever get chocolate ice cream if there's chocolate malts? If you're going by I would always get chocolate it, malts, maybe, I'm just yes. thinking once I drink it, a chocolate malt is chocolate, it's just also malt. I'm thinking a vanilla malt, if you take, I'm if you talking get a about the visual malt, spectrum. Oh, the visual spectrum. Okay, I'm thinking you're talking about the flavor profile, I'm thinking a vanilla malt actually tastes kind of chocolatey because of the malt. Because of the malt, yeah. No, but, but I'm just saying like the visual, <laughs> the visual look of it, like if okay, you've yeah. seen them together, no, I, and I think I may have misspoke there, but yeah, no, if you, if you just look at them, like the chocolate malt looks more like the vanilla ice cream cone okay then the chocolate cone that's racist that is racist mulattoes man (laughs) um although i do like malts better than i than i do ice cream cones i think doesn't everybody no 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 i don't think any i I think i think we're probably in the minority there we're the vocal minority i think it's because people haven't had enough i don't think enough people have actually had malts See, I think that's what it is. UDF sells malts, but where else sells malts? McDonald's doesn't sell malts. They steak serve and shake, cones. Steak and Shake does, but nobody ever orders them. They serve malts, but they're all about... They're, it's it's not steak and malt. It's steak and steak shake. Steak and shake. You go in... If, because even if you... For pity's sakes, very few people get regular shakes at Steak and Shake. You're going in there and you're like, okay, what's the cool special shakes that yeah, they have Yeah, you get now? the special shake. Um, yeah. Like uh, the if Red Velvet Shake. If you get a Dairy Queen, you're getting a Blizzard. Great. You're not getting yeah. a, a shake anyway. Um, or the Birthday Cake Shake, which is my favorite one, I think. You're weird, man. I like it. But you know, no, chocolate malts, though. I like chocolate malts better than chocolate ice cream. But no one serves chocolate malts other than like UDF. And you go there, what do people get? They get, oh, I'm going to get the specialty ice cream cone. No one gets malts. I think even at UDF, which is bizarre. I always get malt at UDF. I know, I do. If I go to UDF, I get the malt. I don't know if I've had anything else. I don't know if I've ever actually gotten ice cream at UDF. I have. I got, um, the when they were doing their uh, 75th anniversary, they were doing 75 cent scoops. Um, uh, so I got like eight scoops. Uh, it was their uh, happy birthday specialty scoop. It was birthday cake ice cream uh, with uh, mixed together with uh, cookies and cream okay. and chocolate chip cookie dough. And there was one other thing in it, and I don't remember what it was, but just those three things together are brilliant. 
I don't know what I no. I'm I'm still not. I don't get the birthday cake ice cream thing. It's it's just like this. It's like the rich buttercreamy taste. I don't know what it is. It, it's oh, okay. It's, okay. I mean, it's not for everybody. I like it. I like it. It's yeah, I, I it's, mean, it's, it's really rich. I, I'm a I'm a cookies and cream. I dig chocolate chip cookie dough. I dig, but but birthday cake has always been. I think it's a bit too rich. I think that might. I be think it's it. probably it's what I mean. I me. see. I don't like it all the time. Cookies and cream is my favorite ice cream. Okay, okay. But I do like a good, like uh, Mayfield. Mayfield had the best birthday okay. cake ice cream. That was really good. Um, And then the UDF, when they had that, it was like, oh my God, three of my favorite flavors all in one. I'm having eight scoops of it, please. Because <laughs> uh, it's That's 75 fair. cents a That's scoop. That's fair. That's fair. Um, I, I will have a pint. Just <laughs> scoop until it's a pint. I was so disappointed when they didn't sell that in pints anywhere, even for like the just the year as a limited flavor. Oh, you know they wouldn't do that. Otherwise, how do they get you to come into the UDF? Uh, to buy fucking gas and get a and get ice cream while you go in to get gas. That's the only reason I go to UDF is when I go to get gas. Yeah, no, no, no. I go to you I, go to get I, I you go, go to get I malts. just go to get malts. You go to get I've malts and then you're gas. like, oh god, I, I need gas. Gas next door to a UDF and gone. Well, I'll just walk over and get a malt now. I, I know they have their own gas station. I guess I could have gone there, but, you know, whatever. No. I'm indifferent about where I get my gas. In the end, it's just I, I look at all the signs and I go, are any of these signs cheaper than other signs? The answer I've noticed recently is no. They're all getting progressively more and more horrible. Again. They did. And then they got low, and now they're going back up. Didn't they already do this a couple years ago? Yeah, they did. It's because it's winter, isn't it? Yeah. I hate it. The race is not over. Until the final furlong. You've been listening to All Downhill. For more information about the topics covered in this episode, including sources and show notes, visit alternative-internet.com forward slash alldownhill. Visit us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash alldownhillshow, and on Twitter at alldownhillshow. And be sure to rate us on iTunes. The music used in this episode was Footage by Chump Change and featuring Deserve. Check out the show notes for more information. As always, thanks for listening.